Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and this is the Truth About Work podcast, episode 55. Got a bunch of workplace topics to talk about, like always. Had a request to talk about the topic of employment contracts. This is U.S. stuff. In other industrialized nations, uh, employment contracts come with the job, but they don't in the U.S. for the most part. So let's talk about that. Uh, What do people want at work? I did a survey, a poll on LinkedIn, and I will just give it away right now. The number one thing people said they wanted more of was control over their schedule. Makes a lot of sense, right? So we're going to talk about that. Um, Is it legal for someone? Yes. Is it legal for someone um, hired after me to get a higher salary in the same job? Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, What is competition for talent? And, oh, what if a job application forces me to type in there my year of college graduation? Doesn't that open the door to age discrimination? And then independent consulting. We'll talk about that a little bit. All right, so starting off with employment contracts. Yeah, in the rest of the industrialized world outside of the United States, you have a job, you get a job, and there's a contract. And it just has some basic protections for you as an employee. You can't just get fired for no reason. Or if you do, you have to get paid. You have to get some money so you can pay the bills while you're looking for another job. Um, You can't have your job change on you just because the company feels like it. If you think about it, how outrageous is it that you can take a job as a marketing analyst for $62,000 a year U.S. and two weeks of vacation and certain job responsibilities and certain hours, three weeks later they can say, yeah, we're not doing any of that. Now you're going to be a marketing assistant paid $35,000 a year, one week vacation, actually no vacation, and the hours are whatever. It's outrageous, and it's only because I think the reason why U.S. workers are not horrified and furious about this is because I'm older than you probably, or most people listening to this podcast. And, you know, I remember very well that Camelot era, um, you know, go-go 60s, 70s, 80s era of the sort of so-called corporation man, your company, you would get in an entry-level job. Not everyone, of course, it was racist and sexist and just what you would expect, ableist and all of that. But the people who did would go in there and get a job and work their way up and stay with the company until retirement. It was normal. It was cradle-to-grave employment. And it was an expectation. And, and it could be white-collar, it could be blue-collar. You know, unions were very, very strong in that era. And... You know, my husband's dad had no education to speak of, none. I think he finished fifth grade in Arkansas and then started working. It wasn't unusual. And he got a factory job and and bought a house and retired from that job with a pension. That was a normal thing. It's, you know, this is gone. Union membership is so far down. Now there's a, a bit of resurgence, but... It, it just disappeared, and in, in corporate, it was the exact same thing. You would stay with the company for 35, 40 years. My parents passed away a couple of years ago, 30 years after my dad retired from his corporate job, but still 
on a pension and health insurance all those years later, right? It's unbelievable. The, that era is gone in the United States. And so we have this idea sort of like, I don't know if it's like it's, it's coming back or denial about what, what has changed, but that during that era, employment at will, which is the legal doctrine from the 1870s that allows employers to treat working people so disgracefully, no job security, no security in your title, in your pay, in your hours, in anything. Most people are not union members, so you can just be tossed out the door for no reason or for some flimsy reason. The only thing that it's not legal to do is terminate you because of a discriminatory reason, but it still happens every day, right? Because how would you prove that? So the reason that, that I talk about employment contracts is because we need them. We don't have them. They're not, they don't come with the job. And there's this incredible gaslighting that goes on. Like, why would you want that? Right. And the way that gaslighting works in a population, right. Is that the gaslighting is so, is so ubiquitous and so thorough that you get Stockholm syndrome. So I get emails from working people who said, I don't want a contract. That's the last thing I want. I don't want, if the company doesn't want me, I don't want to be there because I have a contract. Okay, cool for you. It's a little bit like mask wearing, right? In the era of COVID-19. Cool for you if you don't want a contract because if they don't want you, you don't want to be there. But a lot of people would like to have that kind of security because some manager that walked in three days ago might not like them and might terminate them. That's another common American workplace horror story. Yeah, I got a new boss and they got rid of me. Maybe they had their own person they wanted to bring into the job. And in other industrialized countries, you can't do that, right? You can't do that. Or if you do, it's going to cost you because there's a standard employment contract. So yeah, I'm happy to see people forming a union at their workplace or joining a union, but not every workplace is going to have a union anytime soon. And there are certain employees in most cases who can't be eligible, you know, aren't eligible to join the union in any case. So I want you to know about employment contracts and when and how to get an employment contract in place. Um, so employment contracts have always been popular in startups. And we really didn't even use the word startup until the, about the late 70s, early 80s was just starting a business, right? It really goes along with technology. Although not all startups are tech companies. I worked for a startup that started to use the word startup and they were a startup and it wasn't technology. It was consumer products, but, but startup, we associate that word with tech and they've always had employment contracts for what they consider key employees. Now, why would they give these folks employment contracts? The engineers, the product developers, maybe the marketing people, whatever. Why did they do that? Just to be generous? No, because they got funded. The founders have a good idea. They don't necessarily have millions of dollars to get this technology device or software product out to the market, right? They have to get money. And so they get money a lot of times from venture capital firms, firms that just exist to fund businesses. And the VCs, the venture capital folks are like, yeah, so are these key employees locked in? Are they going to stay until the product hits the market and, you know, makes all of our money back? And so employment contracts arose to, to keep people feeling good enough, uh, feeling secure in the business. They 
typically also give them stock options so they they share in the wealth when the company starts making money or if it perhaps gets sold i work for a company that got sold and a lot of the folks had stock options and so so you know it was practical as a business thing we don't want these people to leave so we're going to lock them in they've got an employment contract so that they shouldn't worry about getting laid off and if they do get laid off for some reason they get a bunch of money and if we get sold or we go public they also get a bunch of money so they're going to be likely to stick around and see the project through but it's astonishing even now today in 2021 a lot of people don't know that when you go to work for a startup you really should have a contract because the whole idea of a startup is that it's a project this is a healthy way for us to think about any business right but particularly a startup they're if they're pushing the foosball table and the hip cool funky atmosphere and the no dress code and we're such a cool startup and we have free snacks then they're planning to either go public meaning sell shares on stock exchange in which case you know everything changes and there's no reason to think that that everybody who works there as the company is growing is going to keep their job for necessarily a long time or even more commonly they're going to be sold and then it's even more so even more likely that the job that you took with the funky startup goes away and i'm not trying to be negative i just want you to understand the lay of the land here right if you're sold they probably have people who do what you do the people in the acquiring company they very well may have people who already do exactly what you do and then they don't need you but now you invested two three four five years of your life in a startup and you have nothing literally to show for it and this happens and i get email from these folks i'm on my third startup and i feel like i'm doing something wrong look at i'm not criticizing you because they don't tell you nobody tells you make sure you get a contract but you have to have a contract you go to work for a startup they're not going to give i don't want to say not but they're unlikely to give you a contract if you're doing customer support you know entry level or you know answering the phones at the front desk although who even does that anymore but you're a product developer you're in marketing something like that yeah you have to get it's the it's the compensation for the fact that the job is just probably not going to last that long ceos of startups founders have an exit strategy right they want to get their money out they're investing the time and energy not so they can work there for 30 years but so that they can work there for five years and get their money out and make their time and energy and their their good ideas turn that into money too exit strategy right so you need an exit strategy what do i get when you guys get rich i talked to somebody who worked for a beverage startup here in boulder colorado a lot of health food health drink health everything companies here in boulder which does not mean that they're great companies to work for by the way and 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 he said i worked for this guy and he sold the uh company that we worked for after many years four or five years of really hard work to to pepsi and now he's doing another startup he wants us to come back and work for him we all got laid off when the company was sold to pepsi but he says this time he's not going to sell the second company to pepsi i said I, what what are we talking about get it in writing get it legal in a contract no they did the employees went back it's a bunch of them anyway he sold the second company to pepsi why wouldn't he believe what people when people show you who they are believe them that whole thing 
You know, and you can read about this guy. What a mastermind he is. Are you kidding me? Pick a name for a beverage and pick a bottle shape. Basically, it's a marketing thing. If I sound cynical, I don't mean to, but I'm looking out for working people, not gazillionaire, you know, entrepreneurs who will trample over you to, to make their money. So if you're in a startup, that's a very good place to get an employment contract and you need one there. Otherwise, in a larger organization, you probably have to be at sort of director level or the equivalent in an individual contributor role. But if you are, if you are, if it's an important role, if it's something they need to accomplish their goals and you have those skills, whether they're whatever, absolutely any function, uh, you, you can negotiate a contract. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you are interviewing, it's the third interview, and now you're meeting with your boss, the, the whatever, the VP of strategy, and they say, we really love your, you know, your forecasting ability and your strategic, blah, whatever, your analysis of trends, I don't even know. And you say, okay, it sounds really cool. Tell me the long-term vision here. What are you guys trying to accomplish, you know, you folks trying to accomplish in the next three to five years, whatever. Well, we're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. We're trying, this is our strategy. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy world. You never know what's going to happen. I love the opportunity, but I need some kind of a, you know, some kind of a deal between us. Cause otherwise I would just consult with you. Right. And then I would have a contract that says, I'm going to do this work and I'm going to get paid for this work. And if you drop out of the contract early, you, the, the client, then there's some payment to me. I would have more assurance as a consultant than I do as a full-time employee. So I need a contract. And if they balk and if they say, no, we're not going to do that, then you know that they're, they were not planning. It's not a long-term thing. And this is, you know, taking the scales from our eyes, but we have been kind of beaten down and just also not really aware that these are issues that we even get to talk about. And that's a lot of why I do the podcast and talk about this stuff on social media because it's things are shifting. You have some leverage in every one of these equations and part of your goal, if you care about this, and I hope you do because leverage is, you know, control. And I'm not talking about inappropriate controlling other people or, or being controlling. I'm talking about looking out for yourself in a, in, a, in a world where a lot of people will take advantage of you. That's highly appropriate. And even one would say, you know, necessary and and we do not want to be in the dark about we're out in the business world if you're working you're an economic unit you're out here and you're gonna need to know the various traps and the various ways you can get screwed frankly so you can negotiate an employment contract and here's the thing if you're at a director level vp level or an equivalent individual contributor level you have to you will get in there and find out that other people negotiated contracts and you'll be like, oh, wow, I should have done that. It's not to say you can't do it two weeks or two months or two years or whatever into the job. You absolutely can, but I want you to know they're common. And I get a lot of email also from HR folks, even HR directors and VPs who say, you're mistaken, Liz. Nobody in my company has a contract. I say, "My, I love you. They do, okay? You don't have them in your personnel files because they see it not as an HR issue, but as a business issue. I guarantee you, talk to your general counsel or your outside attorney. Believe me, all of these founders and executives have contracts. Don't even kid yourself. They have them. 
and they can get a year, two years, three years of salary if they get laid off. It changes the relationship. And, and part of negotiation is knowing your value in an equation. And part of it is just being willing to negotiate, which means being willing to walk away. Make sense? I talked to a woman who was talking to some folks about a consulting deal, a pretty big consulting deal, like over $100,000 that she was going to perform for them herself, maybe with the help from some other subcontractor consultant she was going to pull in. But basically it was her deal that she was doing with this client, let's just say 100K. And she called me and said, you know, here's the thing. Am I missing anything? This is what we're talking about. Here's the terms. I said, no, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. You should talk to a lawyer for sure when there's an actual contract, but you've, you've, you've protected yourself. You've got various clauses for them to get out of the deal at various junctures and pay you. So you didn't misuse your time. You're looking after your intellectual property, you know, your ideas or content you create. So, yeah, I mean, I think as far as, you know, my vantage point, it looks really solid. And then I didn't hear from her. And then I talked to her maybe three months later and she said, actually, you know, at the last minute they said, we want to hire you as a v our VP of product development. So I was like, cool. So she went in there as an employee, not a consultant. And I said, okay, did you get a contract? She said, no, I'm a VP in the company. I said, oh my gosh. Yeah. What, what, okay. So hourly on an hourly basis, they're paying you way less. As a VP, it's still a good salary, but it's going to be way less on an hourly basis. What if they decide after three months, yeah, we just don't want you here anymore? She said, why would they do that? I said, I don't know. I'm, I'm cynical. I'm from northern New Jersey. That's not, to make, that's not to say we're all cynical, but I've seen some stuff where that, that would be the reason to offer you a job job instead of a consulting deal because you get the same work for half the money. And, of course, she got laid off after six months. Had no contract, and they said... Yeah, we didn't, we ended up, we don't have a, a VP level position. Yeah, it was just a ruse to be able to pay that much less and have no penalties getting out of it, right? Full-time employment is not better unless you have a contract. So I'm not sure I could say a lot more about that topic, but we're 18 minutes in and I got like four other things I said I would, I would, um, but that little consciousness raising around getting things in writing course if you form a union or join a union at your workplace they, they do the contract the collective bargaining it's called a whole bunch of people and they're all covered under contract right but if there's no union in certain circumstances obviously not all you go to work in a call center as a call center rep you're not getting a contract you know it's just not going to happen you go as a as a more junior level type financial analyst or whatever you're not getting a contract this in the united states at this point in time unless it's a startup a really new startup, it's probably going to be more senior level folks. Okay. So I did a poll I mentioned on LinkedIn saying, if you were going to leave uh, the world of full-time employment, what would be the overriding reason why people said, I need control over my time. And this kills me because this is one where employers do it to themselves, right? I am a corporate person by uh, experience, corporate and startup. I come from HR on the employer side of the desk and I want to see companies succeed by being more human, right? <laughs> Not at the expense of employees, but by aligning with 
that good energy, human energy. So this is a problem employers bring on themselves. You, you kill people with the hours and then you're surprised when they go off to work somewhere else or to work for themselves. It's, it's not necessary and it's actually not even productive. It's actually fear-based. It's just like a tick. It's like, oh, well, if you work more, then somehow that's good for me as your manager. And, and it's such a universal complaint. Too many hours, too many hours. And not just too many hours in terms of the volume, but I don't have control. My manager calls a meeting at 7 a.m. on Friday morning, even though I normally you know, have Friday mornings off. I just have to be there and I have nothing to say about it. That's from another century. The whole idea of you know, knowledge work is that you're supposed to be able to pick when you do it. So it's a fear-based thing, and I don't think we talk about it enough. I just need you guys. I, I had rows. I had, I had some to-dos, some dust-ups with one of my CEOs that I worked for um, when he would say, well, I just need the whole team to get together tomorrow. I said, yeah, it's Saturday tomorrow. He says, well, this is urgent. I said, it's urgent in your mind. It's your fear. Like, I'm happy to talk you off the ledge. Calling eight people together that makes you feel like you're really dealing with some issue. It's literally your own anxiety. And we can talk about a hundred ways to deal with anxiety, but mistreating people, taking them away from their families or their lives on a Saturday, does that make you feel better? Yes, it made them feel better. Literally. And this is what we're not talking about nearly as much as we should be. I feel... All right. Hi, Liz. Here's a tactical, practical question to cleanse your palate. Is it legal in the U.S. for someone hired in months after me in the exact same job to get a higher salary than me? And if so, for me to continue at my lower salary with no adjustment? Yeah. If you think that something is probably not legal in the United States in employment law, it's probably legal. That's completely legal. They would not have to tell you that they raised the starting salary in general or for a particular person. Yeah, companies have salary ranges, but there's nothing legal that says they have to actually adhere to them unless it's discriminatory. But once again, how would you know and how would you prove it? So yeah, there is a very big degree to which um, right now folks are at the mercy of employers their policies and even their non-policies, just what they decide to do. Because employers break their own policies all the time. It's one-sided. You have to follow the policy, they don't. So uh, this is what I'm saying. We gotta get altitude on this and really see where we sit and what leverage and what room to, to maneuver we have, what we don't have, and whether it's the right answer is to stay where you are or to go to work somewhere else or go to work for yourself. Quick question. What is competition for talent? Competition for talent is A, any other company that is trying to hire the same kind of people you are. That could be in a geographical region or it could be global if it's a virtual job, right? That could be performed remotely. And also competition for talent is anything that anybody might offer one of your employees or prospective employees to do instead of working for you. So competition for talent could even be a university that has some really hot, sexy degree program that people might do instead of working for you, especially if they were going to get a scholarship or get a good job at the end of it. And of course, competition for talent includes the, the appeal, the allure of independent consulting, because that's, that's a competitor to you if you're trying to hire people. And I think a lot of HR people 
don't necessarily tune in on that. Their biggest competition might not be another firm. They say, well, we pay as well as all of our competitors. Yeah, but do you pay as well as a smart person going out to the marketplace themselves and setting their own hourly rates or their own consulting fees? That's important. We never think about the candidates that never even come to us, but we need to because we're missing them as well as people that drop out of our hiring pipelines. Hi, Liz. I noticed many job application forms forced me to put in my year of college graduation. I'm an older job seeker, and this is really a problem. Yes, it is because of age discrimination, which is real. Um, you know, if you get sick of this and just getting tossed out based literally on your age because of this year of college graduation thing, I would suggest you go around through the side door. Read uh, my articles about pain letters, or I can talk about pain letters on an upcoming podcast. If you're interested, write to us at support at humanworkplace.com and say, hey, talk about the side door, talk about pain letters, or just leave a note, a mention on Twitter, at Human Workplace on Twitter, and say, I want to know more about that because there's a whole different way to reach your hiring manager without filling out online job applications. Those things, yeah, are famous. Not just for age discrimination problems, but also for, you know, excluding anybody with any kind of zigzag, non-traditional background, career history, you know, you know short-term jobs, so many dumb reasons to exclude people. So there is another way. We would just avoid that whole deal. And here's the last question. Um, Hi, Liz. Looking at your independent consulting stuff and wondering whether it's the right move for me, considering that I'm only a few years away from retirement. Yeah, I mean, independent consulting can be an absolute, like, full in. This is my job. This is all I do. I work for myself. I'm building a business. And that's a great, great thing to do. And it can also be a part-time thing that folks do for example, to plan for a phased in sort of retirement, right? You can move into what would be like a new 21st century retirement where you're still working, but not a grueling schedule, not an all in schedule, 40, 50 hours per week. And you can do that. One way to do that is by working for yourself. I was really fascinated by yet another poll I did on LinkedIn this week, because I'm always doing polls on LinkedIn. And I said, you know, what, what is appealing to you about um, independent consulting? And people had the most beautiful, like poetic, philosophical answers. You know, I wasn't able to use all my gifts in my regular employment type job. I had better ideas about how to deliver services to clients. I can design projects that, you know, I could never have that 360 of a view on a problem in my current job. So there's a, the idea of creativity and bringing yourself to the work and, and seeking out people who resonate more at your frequency, perhaps, than your boss did or your boss's boss. But independent consulting is not just for people that are ready to go whole hog and try to pay the rent that way, but for people who say, no, I just want to figure out what I can do that adds value to individuals or to organizations and get paid for it directly and kind of use it as an exploration project and a creative project. And they do it part-time while they have their full-time job. 
while they're working full time, they reserve some hours, nighttime maybe, or on the weekend, and they build a consulting business on the side. A lot of people did that. I started consulting on the side. I wasn't going to quit my full-time job and give up my job and everything that went with it, but I did start consulting on my own alongside my job, and it was awesome. I was shocked. I was shocked that I thought it was going to be scary. It wasn't scary. I thought I was constantly going to run into the issue where somebody asked me something and I don't know the answer. That literally never happened. Um, but if it had, I would have said, not because I know everything, but because it's just not, you know, people don't typically ask you really obscure questions. They tell you what they're struggling with and then you figure out how to help them. But if had they asked me a question I didn't know the answer to, I would have said, I don't know, let me find out. And then we'd both know, right? But I'm doing a course, kind of a mastermind group or a master class starting the first week of May on independent consulting, how to do it, whether you want to do it part-time, full-time, uh, walking through all of the steps in figuring out what kind of consulting to do, how to bundle your services, who's the client, what's the pain, how will you help them, how much will I charge, all of this stuff. How do I incorporate? How do I do contracts? How do I get the business? I mean, the whole thing. It's one of my favorite topics. And I feel like it's part of the same energy that we just talked about employment contracts. It's taking control. Taking control, you know? Thinking about your career like you are a person out in the business world. Not just this employee in this little sheltered inlet where your employer is going to look after your career because they're just not. They're just not going to do that. Anyway, I'm teaching this course. It's called Take Charge Consulting, and you can see it on my Twitter or on LinkedIn or write to us, support at humanworkplace.com to find out about this course because we'd love to have you in there if it's the kind of thing that would appeal to you. And if you have questions for the next podcast, just send them to us. I mentioned the email a couple times. I mentioned it one more time. It's support at humanworkplace.com and I will see you then.